Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. A number of years ago, I had a chance to uh, emcee a show at the Toronto Jazz Festival, and the band was Galactic. Um, I had a, a choice of shows to pick, and that was the one I picked because I'm a big fan of that band. And uh, one of the people uh, behind that group is the drummer Stanton Moore, who, in addition to uh, Galactic and his band Garage à Trois, is also uh, a leader uh, in his own right and under his own name with uh, a number of albums to his credit. He's now embarked on a, an ambitious project where at the very same time he's releasing a book and a DVD and a CD, uh, all under the Groove Alchemy name. And uh, the idea is the CD is a recording of Stanton's trio, and then there's a DVD of uh, and a book that kind of go together as instructional devices to help uh, drummers, or anyone really, interested in the rhythms used on the DVD and in the history of those rhythms uh, to get some more information. So uh, Groove Alchemy which is, uh, as I mentioned, the name of all of those things, but also particularly the CD with Stanton's trio, starts this way. My guest is Stanton Moore. You uh, know him from his uh, excellent string of solo recordings, also from the bands Galactic and Garage à Trois, and it's uh, my pleasure to welcome Stanton to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, how's it going? Nice to be here. It's going great, man, and uh, really have, have enjoyed your playing for considerably more than a decade now, which surprises me when I think about it, but uh, but it's, it's absolutely the case. And the newest thing that you've got going uh, is a thing called Groove Alchemy, which is as I understand it, kind of a multimedia project which has uh, a record of that name, a CD of that name, and then a DVD and an instructional book. And so I guess the, right. the first question I wanted to ask you is whether uh, kind of 
playing the drums and particularly playing the drums the way you do, is that kind of naturally resistant to being written down and, and analyzed? It seems like it would be difficult to do. Well, the way that I'm presenting all this is it's a project that's focusing on my approach to funk drumming. So really where I'm coming from is having checked out a lot of Clyde Stubblefield, Jabo Starks, and Zigaboo Modelies. So those guys being my three main influences, I start with checking out a lot of what they've done, but also try to connect the dots by checking out their ideas, uh, where they got their ideas from, where they got ideas from guys before them in the James Brown camp, and also tracing that all the way back to some of the ideas that are coming from New Orleans. So trying to collect, connect the dots that way and then show the similarities and the differences between Jabo and Clyde and also the where uh, Zigaboo Modelies is getting a lot of his ideas from and tracing back the predecessors of that he got his ideas from. And then all, once we understand all that, then we can start to show how we can blend some of those guys and come up with new ideas and come up with new grooves. And then I, once we come up with new grooves, I start to put those into tunes with the, with the trio. So we demonstrate all that in the book and in the DVD, and then on the record is the culmination of all that. That's all the tunes that we've put all these ideas into. So the three work hand-in-hand, hand and they're going to appeal to different people. A lot of drummers are going to want to check out the DVD or the book, but then a lot of regular music fans will only want to check out the CD. So it'll work, you know, for, for hopefully for a broad spectrum of people, and they can decide which elements they want to get. When you started playing, did you were you consciously aware of the the kind of debt that was owed to the three men you just mentioned and and all of the many others who came before, or was that something you started investigating kind of after you had already gotten comfortable at the drum set? Yeah, I think that was something that I started investigating once you know once I've been playing for a while. But then it's something that has fascinated me the longer I play, and the the deeper I get into it, the more fascinating it is to me and the more I want to know about it and the more passionate I become about that pursuit so it's almost like going down the rabbit hole and once you get down there 
the uh, the joy of going further and deeper uh, just just heightens the further and deeper you get. <laughs> so it's a never-ending quest. Is that to some degree a, a factor of being from New Orleans, where the drums are such a quintessential part of what that city's music is about? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I always operate off of a quote that I read in Modern Drummer from Stuart Copeland, where he said, you know, if you're interested in somebody or you're influenced by something, don't just check out them, but go back and find out where they got their ideas from and check out who came before them and led to that. And that always struck me with them, you know, very deeply. So when I started getting into Zigaboo, I wanted to know where he got a lot of his ideas from. So I knew he got a lot of his ideas from second line stuff and the brass man stuff, but a lot of the Monterey Indian stuff. So I would go back and instead of just learning his grooves, I would go back and check out some of the tambourine patterns and cowbell patterns that were being played with the Monterey Indians. And then I would take and try to make up my own grooves based off of those elements. And so not just trying to build branches off of what Zig was doing, but going back down further down the trunk and down into the roots and coming off with with branches of my own based off of some of these roots and not just coming off with little branches off of Zig's branches, but coming off with hopefully bigger branches that are coming off of the, the roots of, of where these things are coming from. should have asked you this the first time you mentioned it, but uh, but tell people who may not know who uh, Zigaboo Monolith is. Well, Zig is the drummer for the Meters, and to me, one of the big influences on me, one of the funkiest drummers of all time, and and just uh, a great innovator, and he's been a, you know, a well of ideas and inspiration for me for a long time. And the other two uh, gentlemen that you mentioned at the beginning, Jay Bo Starks and Clyde Stubblefield, you just say a word about each of them and, and why you've chosen to focus on, on them. Well, those guys are probably, you know, the most known of the drummers in the James Brown camp. And they play on a lot of James's most well-known and most popular tunes. You know, Jabo played on 
Sex Machine and Soul Power and um, Super Bad and Papa Don't Think No Mess and you know many other things and the Payback and Clyde Stubblefield played on uh, Cold Sweat I Got the Feeling Funky Drummer you know countless um, great 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 grooves and a lot of these you know Soul Power uh, not Soul Power uh, Soul Pride Soul Pride the break Soul Pride was sped up and used a lot for drum and bass and Funky Drummer, of course, was used on a lot of hip-hop stuff. Uh, countless, countless tunes. So, you know, both of those guys have really contributed tons, not only to the, the, uh, the art form of funk drumming, but to the American cultural tapestry in that, you know, there are countless hip-hop tunes and R&B tunes that are based off of Funky Drummer, you know? so. That, that's been used as a sample, and sometimes it's very obscured uh, by things that are laid on top of it, but sometimes it's very obvious. So not only have they contributed to the art form of drumming, but they've created to music as a whole in such a wide, uh, in such a wide way because a lot of their music has been sampled, and a lot of their drum, drum beats have been sampled and used as the basis for other tunes. Yeah, it's almost difficult to imagine anyone who could have ever listened to any pop radio at all and not have come across one of those three guys. I mean, it's it's almost impossible, no matter what genre you listen to, to have not at least heard some tune that features one of those three guys on it. I mean, their their influence is that pervasive. It's pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. And if not the first time around with the James Brown or the Meters, then definitely, you know, nowadays, uh, contemporarily, with all the music that they've been sampled in. It seems to me that um, kind of funk drumming is, uh, it, well, in one sense, it's certainly it's aimed at the hips and the feet, but at least the way you play it and the way certainly the three gentlemen that you just mentioned played it, there's a lot of rhythmic complexity, much more so than you might think just from, you know, the dance floor or from, from marching. Uh, does that sometimes get get forgotten, just how, how complex and multi-layered kind of polyrhythmic that kind of drumming can be? I think sometimes, yeah, and then once you start to get into it, then it becomes painfully obvious. <laughs> you know, once you, yeah, once you really start trying to play it, and once you really start trying to absorb it yourself and assimilate it into your own playing, uh, it becomes real obvious real quick. And, you know, I've given lessons to people who, you know, I've learned a little bit, and but they haven't really you know, dealt with this stuff. And as soon as they really start trying to deal with it, then they realize how challenging it is, you know. And this is a solid drumming that, you know, these lived and breathed this stuff, you know, inside and out when they were creating this stuff. So it's something that they developed over a long period of time and it came very naturally to them. So it sounds very effortless and it sounds almost easy when you're listening to it and that's that's the beauty of it and then when you try to to assimilate it yourself uh or approximate it yourself or play it you know as closely as you can to what they're doing then you learn really quickly <laughs> how challenging it actually is will you talk about your uh, trio mates on groove alchemy who've been with you for a while now yeah robert walter on oregon and 
Will Bernard on guitar, both great, great players, great writers, and, you know, great guys to be around. And I've played on both of their uh, projects. You know, I've played on at least uh, one Robert Walter record and at least one Will Bernard record. And so it's great that they think enough of me to have me come play on their records as well. And it's, to us as a trio, we just fit very well together. We're very like-minded, and we just have a lot of fun playing together, so we keep doing it. You know, and this is the third trio record with these guys. And, you know, it's great because they're, they're both great writers, so whenever we get together, there's always new tunes coming in. So it's very it's a very fun band to play with, but it's also very uh, natural and and comfortable and I don't want to say effortless, but, but uh, definitely not... Um, not like pulling teeth, it's much easier than that. What, what what are you looking for in your bandmates, I should say? Well, guys who are coming from a lot of the same influences as me or who are like-minded, and then guys who have a lot to contribute, you know? So with these three guys, they're both great players, but they both write a lot, and I, I like the style of writing that they contribute. So I think that uh, that's important. You know, you want to make sure that you're working with guys that are going to be able to contribute in a way that you feel um, the end result is going to what you're aiming for. Galactic's new album uh, just came out as well, and uh, can you talk a little bit about that? And It's a record that we've been thinking of doing for a long time, and we've been talking about it for a long time, and it's a culmination of having all these New Orleans artists join with us and collaborate with us. So it's kind of like a tour of the New Orleans music scene, uh, a Night on the Town, checking out the New Orleans music scene with Galactic as your host or as your tour guide. So, you know, we may start down on Fenster Street and start in one of the jazz clubs like Snug Harbor and check out Alan Toussaint playing a solo piano set and then may go over and check out John Boutte singing at DBA and then go across the street and check out Rebirth Brass Band and then 
see Trombone Shorty across the street from that, and then uh, maybe we'll get in the car and go to another part of town and go check out some of the uh, some of the sissy rappers that we've got, like uh, Big Frida and Katie Red and Sissy Novi. So, uh, and then maybe go down to the Bywater and and hear the uh, Born and Forty Federation. So. It's, you know, you, all this music you can hear in one night, in one, you know, on any given night, it's all there. It's all great things. Irma Thomas as well, you know. So all these things are, are just kind of percolating and happening all around New Orleans. And we just wanted to present all that as seen through our lens. And what is Galactic's lens? You guys seem to have established, a, I mean, a definite identity but one that has evolved it seems like over the years where do you where do you see the band now um well you know it's we've dabbled in so many different things that i think that different elements come out at different times and you know the last record we definitely did a lot with a lot of mcs and we learned a lot from doing that both playing wise and production wise so nowadays you know those things might slip in a little bit more casually without trying to or without shining a spotlight on it or saying, okay, we're doing this type of project now. So I think some of those elements kind of creep in uh, no matter who we're working with. You know, So if we're working with Irma Thomas, some of the hip-hop production techniques that we may have learned uh, might have creeped in. And, you know, I mean, we're doing our own take on all this stuff too, so it's really our own uh, approach and just trying to, do things that we may have heard about or read about, and then we try them in our own way and come up with a new, a new kind of thing, you know. And we might approach, uh, apply that to working with Irma or working with Alan Tucson. So we're applying, you know, different production and different playing approaches that these guys have never been paired up with before. So I think it creates a, an interesting result. Yeah, the new record, Groove Alchemy, was recorded at uh, Levon Helms' studio, uh, very close to where I am in Woodstock, New York, and uh, wondering why you chose uh, to record it there. Well, 
Um, I mean, for you know, for one, I mean, Levon is a big influence and a, and a you know marvelous musician, and he's a great inspiration. That he's he's been around for so long, and he's still going strong and, and putting out Grammy-winning albums out of his own studio. That's just incredible. So uh, logistically, you know, for a project of of this scope, where we needed to record a record and film a DVD and you know, the DVD camera crew, um, you know, production team is anywhere from 12 to 15 people. And we needed to really do it in the New York area because the people I was doing this with, Hudson Music, they're all based out of New York. So uh, it made sense to do it up there. And they had a lot of studios that they used to be able to choose from, but a lot of them have been um, closed up. So... I had heard about Levon's place and the Midnight Ramble, and I started investigating, you know, doing it at Levon's, and it started to look like it could happen. And once we went up there to look at it, and he was hanging out, and he started playing all these tunes from his uh, unreleased record at the time, uh, Dirt Farmer. Um, actually, no, it was Electric Dirt, the follow-up to Dirt Farmer. And he starts playing us all these tunes from from Electric Dirt, and it was such a great hang, and the vibe there was so amazing. So uh, we looked at a couple other places, but just hanging there, I said, oh, we have to do it here. You know, we just got to do it here. So it worked out, and luckily uh, we were able to make it all there, and, and I think the end result is great. And finally, Stanton, I wanted to ask if you could uh, say a few words about the Gulf Restoration Network and um, what they're up to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You can go to defendthecoast.com or gulfrestorationnetwork.org. I think it's uh, defendthecoast.org and gulfrestorationnetwork.org. And they can you can go there and see what's going on, but uh, Gulf Restoration Network is definitely raising awareness and uh, spearheading, raising some funds to uh, restore the coastal, uh, you know, the wetland. When New Orleans was built, it was 95 miles inland. Uh, due to the oil and gas companies cutting up all these canals, um, the canals allow the the saltwater gulf to encroach into the freshwater marsh. The marsh is created by the overflow of the river and the sediment of the river. So the river now um, has created all these wetlands, and now with them being perforated like this by all these canals that are drilled by the oil and gas company, well, all that salt water from the Gulf is now encroaching into um, the perforated wetlands and destroying the freshwater marsh and the uh, the brackish uh, the plant life and, and, and ecosystem there. So what's happening is that's going on, and that the river now is locked into place, so it can't overflow like it used to and replenish that land. So it's a two-fold man-made problem. And then also once uh, the big storms start coming in and they start uh, really doing damage to an already weakened coast. So it's really um, it's being created by a man-made problem. And then the, the, uh, when the, the storms come in and they attack the already weakened coast, it's really a mess. So there are things that can be done, but we need to get the federal government's cooperation. And now it's looking like we're making headway. For the first time, we actually have a budget to to uh, to work on coastal restoration, and of course it's not uh, everything we need. Of course, it's uh, we need a lot more, 
but um, but there are things that can be done, and it's a, prob- a problem that can be uh, turned around. And at least now the government is acknowledging that there is a problem, and they are allocating funds to work on the problem, as opposed to just pretending like the problem doesn't exist. Well, there will definitely be links to uh, Gulf Restoration Network and Defend the Coast in the show notes for this show, so I encourage folks uh, to check them out and give them some help if you can. My guest is uh, Stanton Moore. He's got a new record coming out called Groove Alchemy uh, with his trio, and it's also accompanied by an instructional book and a DVD so that if you want to get deeper into the rhythms uh, that are featured on the record, you can do that. And Stanton, I know you're uh, busy and on the road a lot, and I definitely appreciate your time, and uh, enjoy your dinner. Okay, man. Thank you very much. Take care now. Bye-bye. Okay, man. Bye-bye. That's music from drummer Stanton Moore from the new Groove Alchemy CD. There's also a book and a DVD of a more uh, instructional nature that you can check out. This is the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This show is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com. And at thejazzsession.com, you'll find uh, Amazon links to purchase the music that you hear on the show. And if you do it that way, you'll help support the show uh, because a little money comes back. And there's also a donate button if you'd like to uh, contribute directly and securely via PayPal. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. 
Most of all, thank you for being here yet again. And please uh, go out now and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.